me to turn my microphone on and allow me to say Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here and all the mothers that were thinking about Happy Mother's Day. I will agree with Abraham Lincoln, I think it was him, who said, all I am and ever hope to be, I owe to my beautiful mother. And uh, Happy Mother's Day. Having said that, today actually is not a Mother's Day sermon. And I'll kind of apologize for that because it's ironic. I love to prepare and preach Mother's Day sermons. They're some of my very favorite sermons to, to prepare and to preach. But we're on kind of a schedule and I wanted to be sure and cover the Sermon on the Mount. And so today is not a Mother's Day sermon. But I will promise you, today is a sermon that your mother wants you to hear. In fact, today's a sermon that uh, I'm sure your mother has taught you if you have a, a mother that loves you. So we got that going for us. A guy by the name of Jacob was 94 years old. His fiancée, Elizabeth, was 92. They were planning on getting married. And they go for a walk one evening, and they're walking by a drugstore, and Jacob suggests they go inside the drugstore. There's a fellow standing behind the counter, and Jacob says, we're planning on getting married. Is this your drugstore? And the fellow said, yeah, this is my store. I'm the pharmacist, and I own the store as well. And Jacob said, we're just wondering, do you sell heart medication here? And the fellow said, yeah, sure, we, we sell heart medication. He said, how about you know, medication for like circulation? He said, yeah, we have a lot of products that will help with that. Um, do you have anything for arthritis? We have products that will help with arthritis. Um, do you carry suppositories? Sure, we carry those. How about anything to help with like memory loss, you know, forgetfulness, that sort of thing? Yeah, we've got lots of products. They, they work real well. What about um, things like vitamins, sleeping pills, Geritol, Polyglip, adult diapers? Do you carry those? Pharmacists say we carry all those things. What about walkers, wheelchairs, uh, canes, all sizes, all speeds? Jacob smiled and said, great. We want to use your story, your store as our bridal registry. <laughs> now there's a very small window of people who think that's funny. I'm just telling you. If you're too young, you won't get that joke. If you're too old, that just offended you. But there's like a five-year window where that's a pretty good joke. But I tell that to make the point that, you know, things change as we get older. And the older we get, it seems the more things change. And yet, there are some things that never change. There are some things, there are some lessons, there are some truths that are as real and right and practical today as they were 50 years ago. Or 100 years ago. Or 2,000 years ago. And this morning we're going to look at a section of scripture where Jesus teaches a timeless truth. A truth that is as real and as right and as true today as it was the day he spoke it. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. And I'd planned on finishing this pretty long sermon series today. But I got hung up on one little verse. Kind of got hung up on one verse that I just couldn't get past. So actually we're going to finish this series next week. But before we get into that one little verse, let me ask you a question. How many of you have a, a pet peeve? I mean, that's something that just kind of drives you... A little bit crazy. Most people have a pet peeve. Most people have several 
pet peeves, something kind of drives you nuts. Kind of, you know, just kind of bothers you. And what I've found is most people, their pet peeve is something that violates something that they value. When something you value is violated, that bothers you and that affects you. For example, you want to drive a, a hurry-up, impatient, type-A personality crazy? Waste their time. They hate it. Stand in front of them at McDonald's. Say, I'll take a number five. No. Make that a number seven. Do you know how many carbs are in that? I've got a coupon here. So they, they hate that because they value their time and they don't want their time wasted. You want to drive a musician crazy? And I'm really good at this. Sing about a half note flat. I do it all the time. I sit over here on this side. We all start singing these beautiful songs and I join in with my joyful noise. And even I know it's not quite right. And I know the people around me are kind of going, ouch. But I sit over here because the people on this section are so nice. <laughs> it's the reason I sit here. I don't sit over here. I sit over here. Because they won't say anything to me. But I know that people who value beauty hate when beauty is messed up. And that kind of drives them crazy. You ever go to the home of someone who's kind of a neat freak? Want to drive me nuts? Put your drink down without a coaster. They don't like it. Been around a, a germaphobe? Want to drive them crazy? Stick your fingers in the cup when you hand it to them. Double dip the chips. They don't like it. I asked Martha, do I have any pet peeves? What are my pet peeves? She said, you have, you have lots of pet peeves. She said, one is the fact that that she wakes up happy and chatty, ready to go, first thing in the morning. So that's one of your pet peeves. And I thought about it. You know what? She's right. It kind of bothers me that she wakes up so quickly and so happy. Here's why I bring this up. Do you ever wonder what God's pet peeve is? And I think maybe it's a legitimate question. Do you ever wonder what just drives God crazy? What bothers them? What, what, what affects them? Because I think I know. I think I know what drives God crazy. I think I know what one of God's pet peeves is. Mistreat people. Take advantage of someone. Hold a grudge. Spread gossip. Judge someone according to their race or their color or their level of education or their bank account. Refuse to help someone who's in need. Marginalize someone who's less fortunate. I think it drives God crazy to see us do that. If you've been paying attention for the past several weeks to what Jesus has been saying on the Sermon on the Mount, you know that Jesus speaks to this pretty clearly. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but there is a little phrase that Jesus uses, and he actually uses it twice. He uses it towards the beginning of his sermon, and he uses it towards the end of his sermon. And it's almost as if he uses this phrase as bookends to everything that's in the middle. And he first shows up in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Here's the phrase. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. 
the law, and the prophets. Jesus makes this statement and then he spends a pretty good bit of time talking about what is at the heart of the law and the prophets. And we've spent the last two and a half months going through what Jesus says is at the heart of the law and the prophets. And so much of that that Jesus has talked about has been dealing with people. Dealing with people with love and respect. And he's so clear on this. If you don't show compassion to other people, if you don't show kindness, then you've got some serious consequences with God. Now, remember Jesus said, if you judge others, or as you judge others, you're going to be judged. As you forgive others, you'll be forgiven. He said anyone who's going to sexually exploit other people, you might as well start gouging out your eye and cutting off your hand. Because you're better to go into heaven with part of your body than into hell. Jesus said all the law and the prophets point to one thing. God loves people. God loves all people. Anytime we get a little bit careless with the way we treat other people, anytime we get a little bit careless with how we act and interact with other people, God pays attention to that. And then Jesus gets to the end of this whole section and he sort of sums up all of his teaching. He's going to bring up that same phrase again. In fact, he's going to boil it down into a single sentence. He's going to kind of summarize everything that he's been talking about, the law and the prophets. And he uses a sentence that we all know. One of the greatest sentences ever spoken, one of the greatest messages ever recorded. We know it as the golden rule. Here's how Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 7. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. There's that little phrase again. This is the bookend at the end of this brilliant section of teaching. This is why the golden rule is so central to what Jesus is talking about. This isn't just some cute little saying that you, know, you put on a plaque and hang on your wall. This isn't something that we read in a Hallmark card and kind of you know, pass it off. Jesus says this, this sort of sums up the whole deal. This is kind of what it's all about. So we need to pay pretty close attention. Now Jesus, I think, has realized that the people in that day and time had turned the law and the prophets into this legalistic thing that they decided if we can just get the letter of the law right, we don't really need to be concerned with the spirit of the law. And somehow these people had deluded themselves into thinking that, that we can be good with God. We can be pleasing to God and mistreat others. We can be okay with God and kind of look down on some other group or some other person. No, God's okay with that. And so Jesus shares this teaching with them and with us because they've completely missed the point. So he begins by saying, don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I didn't come to abolish that. I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And then he goes on with this brilliant teaching that we've been talking about the past several weeks. He talks about how to deal with our anger as we interact with each other and what words to use. He talks about how to deal with our sexuality, how to deal with our possessions, you know, the stuff that we have, how to handle the temptation of judging others. And so let me boil it down now to one thought one sentence to make sure that you get. This is a summary of the Law and the Prophets. Think of how you want people to treat you 
and then treat them that way. Treat other people the way you want them to treat you. That's kind of what it boils down to. That's kind of the summary. I think it was Steve Martin who said, before you criticize anyone, walk a mile in their shoes. That way you're a mile away and you have their shoes. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. The golden rule really is what kingdom life looks like. I mean, we keep talking about kingdom stuff, kingdom life. And Jesus says this is what life in the kingdom looks like. We're going to think of other people instead of ourselves. Treat other people like you want to be treated. As you're trying to know and love and honor God, treat other people. Show them Jesus. Show them the love of Jesus. You know, some of Jesus' teaching, it was really deep. Really complex. And it took a lot of thought to kind of wrap your mind around. This isn't one of them, by the way. The golden rule, it's pretty clear. I don't think anyone walked off the hill that day saying, what in the world was he talking about for treating other people like we want to be treated? Did not get that. We're going to have to get together and, you know, kind of hash that out amongst us. We need to call in some smart people to explain that. No, they got it. We get it, don't we? Everyone gets it. Everyone understands the golden rule. But remember, we keep talking about this knowing-doing gap as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. There's certainly a knowing-doing gap when it comes to the golden rule. So I've got a little bit of homework for you this week. A challenge. Here's the challenge. Live this week with golden rule eyes. Remember, as we started this series, one of our goals was we don't want to just know more. We want to do more. And we don't want to just be smarter. We want to be better. We want to close that knowing-doing gap. So would it be possible to live a week with golden rule eyes? Because the truth is we're all pretty self-centered. We're all pretty me-centered. I mean, that's just sort of our default mode. What's in it for me? What's best for me? What's easiest for me? We all sort of live our lives as if everyone else is kind of extras in our movie, right? The challenge is, when you interact with someone, whether it's at work or school or home with your family, interact with those people, that person with golden rule eyes. Just pause. Notice the other person. Take a second to ask yourself, what's their story? What's his situation? What are her dreams? What's their agenda? What are, the, what are their fears? And then, if I was standing in their shoes, right here, right now, how would I want me to act towards them? Just ask yourself that question. What's going on in that person's life? And how can I best encourage them, minister them, befriend them? How can I help them? How can I show them Jesus? See, one of the things about the golden rule is it's not just some legalistic deal that you kind of check off a, you know, a box every week or month or whatever. It's this ongoing spiritual adventure that we get to practice anywhere, anytime. In fact, everywhere, every time. Every single time we interact with someone, we have the opportunity to have a, a golden rule moment. 
unfortunately, there is a knowing-doing gap. You know, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? If it was easy, I would do it. I'd do it all the time. But you're probably thinking what I was thinking. Sometimes those golden rule moments are tough. Because I deal with some pretty tough people sometimes. You know, sometimes my interactions are difficult. And some people are just kind of hard to love. You know, they don't make this golden rule thing easy for me. Think of it this way. I know that a lot of you like to shop. I do not. It's one of my pet peeves, actually. I, I'll go to Home Depot, but I don't even really enjoy that. I hate to shop for clothing. Hate it. But I have found in my limited clothing uh, shopping experience that quite often the best deals are found on racks where they have signs or little tags that say as is. Or if you're talking about um, clothing, it's usually a tag that says slightly irregular. Now, truth in advertising, right? We all know what it means. This garment is slightly irregular. And what they're saying is there's a flaw here. There's a problem. And we're not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> it might be a stain that's not quite coming out. It might be a zipper that doesn't quite zip. It might be a buttonhole that's not quite the right size. But just know there's a problem. There's a flaw. And when you find it, and you will find it, don't come complaining to us. Don't come demanding an apology or a refund. You are buying this piece of garment as is. You are buying it with the understanding that it is slightly irregular. You know, in some ways, wouldn't it be great if we had truth in advertising when it came to people? Now, those of you who are single, how would you like to, your, your dating experience? Would it, would it help if maybe everybody had a tag around their neck? You know, something that said like uh, slightly bruised self-esteem or mildly impaired ability to commit or gigantic black hole of neediness that will suck you dry. <laughs> Maybe that would help, right? If there were truth in advertising laws with people, would anyone ever get married? Probably not. But here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to take a second and I want you to look to your right and to your left at the pe person who's sitting beside you on both sides. Just take a second. Just go ahead and glance at the person sitting beside you, both sides. Don't stare at them. Don't creep them out. <laughs> Just a quick glance. Now, here's what you need to understand. That person, those people that you just glanced towards, they are slightly irregular. Some of you are sitting beside people you know very well, and I don't have to tell you that. You might argue with the slightly part. Some of you are sitting beside people that you don't know very well. You need to understand whoever you're sitting at beside, they are slightly irregular. There's a problem there. There's a flaw there. And when you find it, and you will find it, just understand they are slightly irregular. And by the way, that person looked at you as well, right? We're all slightly irregular. We all have flaws. And that's really important to understand and, and kind of remember going into this thing as we think about you know, these um, golden rule moments.
Let me share a story with you. Personal story. A while back, I pulled into a gas station, pulled up to a pump, and I, I got out and I began pumping gas, and in the pump in front of me was an elderly gentleman. Uh, had to be in his 80s, impeccably dressed. Standing beside a late model Cadillac, and I could tell that he was having a difficulty with his credit card. Kept putting it in, taking it out, and you know, he kind of throwing his hands up. And I could tell he was getting frustrated, and I thought, somebody ought to help that gentleman. Now here's a, here's a perfect example of a time to have a, a golden rule moment. But I know it's a little bit intimidating for some younger guy to come up and say, hey, give me your credit card. But I'm watching him, and he's just getting more and more frustrated. So finally, I, said, uh, I walk up and I said, sir, can I give you a hand? And he said, yeah, I always use cash, but I don't have any cash with me, and I need gas, and I can't get this thing to take my credit card. So I said, well, stick it in again, try it again. So he put his card in, pulled it out. I said, now it's asking for your zip code. So put the zip code in. He goes, yeah, I've been doing that. He said, well, then you've got to hit the green enter button. Oh, okay. They don't give you much time. So, okay. And he hit it, and it asked for another prompt or two, and then the pump came on. I was expecting this very sharply dressed gentleman driving a very new car to turn to me and say, thank you, young man. You have restored my faith in mankind. You have been so kind and generous. Well, thank you for that encouragement. That was what I was expecting him to say. That is not what he said. This older gentleman started cussing a blue streak. I mean, he's putting words together I didn't know you could put together. And he just goes off on this two, three-minute rant. Not at me, thankfully, but towards the gas pump and the gas company and technology in general. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, Grandpa, come down. I know how to work a gas pump. I do not know CPR. You know? But finally, at the end of his rant, he goes, oh, well, thanks. And I know I shouldn't have said it. Should not have gone there. But I couldn't help myself. I said, well, you're welcome. I hope God blesses the rest of your day. He used a few more words with God in them. And I just finally shook my head and walked away. But it did remind me that Jesus did not say, do unto those who deserve it what you'd have them do to you. And he didn't say, do unto those who are worthy as you would have them do unto you. She said, do unto others. Treat everyone like you want to be treated. See, the wonderful thing about the golden rule is that at any moment, any time, anywhere, anyone, you can practice this. You don't need some title. You don't need some certain level of education. You don't need a certain bank account. In fact, sometimes those things kind of get in the way because we kind of see life as all about us sometimes. For a day, for a day, try practicing golden rule moments. Take a, a golden rule pause. What better day than Mother's Day, right? To start practicing taking a golden rule pause. Because the way we live our days is the way we live our lives. Well, God will help you. Pray about it. He'll help you. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. 
Now take your mind off yourself for just a minute. And take, a, take a moment and think, now if I were that person in his situation, in her circumstance, going through what they're going through, in this moment in time, what would I want done? How would I want to be treated? What would I want said? And then see if the Holy Spirit doesn't nudge you into taking some kind of action and doing to someone else, for someone else, what you would like that person to do to you. And by the way, before you attempt this, before you try it, I'll just go ahead and tell you, from the outside looking in, it looks like it's going to be a sacrifice. But it's not. And from the outside looking in, it looks like it's going to be scary. But it really isn't. In fact, talk to anybody who kind of lives with golden rule eyes and they'll tell you that they have more joy and more happiness and more peace and more friendship than they know what to do with. It kind of goes back to the law of inversion that Jesus keeps talking about within the kingdom. You want to be first? You need to put yourself last. You want to be great? You need to be a servant. You know, people who live by the, the rule of gold quite often end up pretty poor when it comes to fulfillment and relationships and spirituality. People who live by the golden rule end up pretty rich in those things that really matter. Now, there is one more section in the Sermon on the Mount that I really want to cover. And I thought very seriously about just covering it this morning. But you know what? We can squeeze it into this lesson. I can go 15 minutes late. And then I took a pause. A golden rule pause. And I thought, if I were you, sitting out there, or if I were back here with the kids, or if I was in the nursery, what would I want the preacher to do? And I know what you want me to do, and that's sit down. So next week, we're going to wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. But let me finish today by reminding you of a simple truth. And it's a truth that really makes this one little verse even more powerful and more practical than we might think it is. Jesus didn't just give us the golden rule. He was the golden rule. He is the golden rule. He didn't just teach us something. He perfectly modeled what golden rule living looks like. He said, you want to see a golden rule life in action? Look at my life. You want to see what a golden rule death looks like? Look at the cross. You want to see what golden rule resurrection looks like? Jesus rises from the grave to, to give us hope, salvation. And then Jesus says, I'll do the same for you if you let me. If you allow me, I can give you the same kind of life. So, think right now about the people you're going to encounter this week. Think about the conversations that you're going to have. The interactions that you're going to experience. Just ask God to help you. God, I want to be like Jesus. And I want that person to know that I care about them. And I want that person to know that I'm putting myself in, in, in their shoes. And I want to show them the love of Jesus. And I want to do it in your name. We don't want to just know better. We want to do better. We want to be better. So in everything, 
Do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. For this is kind of what it's all about. Treating other people with love and respect. Bobby's got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. If as a family we can minister to you in any way, it's going to be some people down front. We'd love to pray with you or for you. Anything that we can do, come to the front. Let us know. Let's stand and sing.